You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. My name is Stephen Simcox. I am a producer at 1660 ESPN Radio and your host of Locked On Horn Frogs. You can follow me on Twitter at Simcox Steven. You can follow the show Twitter account at Locked On TCU. And it's Friday, and we're getting you ready for a football weekend as we prepare for TCU in Oklahoma. In this first segment today, I want to touch on uh, the other games going on in the Big 12. In our second segment uh, this afternoon or morning, whenever you're listening, I got a chance to chat with John Denton from the TCU Radio Network. Uh, he joined one of uh, my radio shows, Unnecessary Roughness, that I do at 1660. So um, I'll have an interview with him. And then the last segment, we'll sort of close up shop, get you ready for that 11 a.m. kick tomorrow. But let's take a look at the Big 12 schedule because TCU-Oklahoma is not the only game happening. Um, we talked with, uh, with Locked On Sooners yesterday into that crossover episode. But let's look around the Big 12 and the other games that are going on. Kansas and Kansas State. K-State now ranked 20th in the country. Of course, Skylar Thompson is now out for the year. The line here is pretty large. Uh, K-State's favored by 19 and a half, and it might, it, it might not be enough. I would, I would uh, If I was a betting man, I'd bet Kansas State to cover that, even with a freshman quarterback. Maybe it's a close game just because Will Howard struggles. Um, he did okay against TCU. I mean, he had the long run. They only scored 14 points. I think the TCU defense did a good job of keying on Deuce Vaughn, especially when they went to some heavy run packages. They really weren't able to move the football, but it's Kansas. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. They're 0-4. They're 0-3 in league play, and they just lost their best player. I mean, Puka Williams decided he was going to opt out. He's not going to play for the rest of the season, so he's gone. I can't see a way where, uh, where where KU does much with with him out. Um, they also went back to Miles Kendrick last week against West Virginia, which was interesting to me because I thought Jalen Daniels, the true freshman, they had started the first couple of games of the season. I thought he showed something. I mean, it it still was was kind of rough on offense, but he had some athleticism and some ability to make plays that that Kendrick didn't. So we'll see what direction they go this week. Um, but obviously, I like K State in that game and. Uh, pretty big line there at 19 and a half, but I feel like even with the even with the freshman quarterback, there's a good chance they cover that one. Um, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Tech is one and three and zero and three in league play. West Virginia three and one and two and one in Big 12 play. And this game's at 4:30 on ESPN two. I really like this West Virginia team. Um, now their offense is had some issues. Letty Brown's a good running back, and I think they've been able to run the ball effectively. He already has over 500 yards. Jarrett Dagey uh, is inconsistent. He's up and down. I don't really trust him. But defensively, West Virginia is really solid. And uh, Darius Stills is a fantastic player. He plays that nose guard kind of defensive tackle position. He can get after the quarterback in a way you don't usually see interior defensive linemen uh, be able to. I mean, he, he gets home with the pass rush, which is huge. So I like West Virginia in this game. And actually that line – is, is pretty small. West Virginia's only favored by three points. I, I imagine that's just because their offense, again, hasn't been able to really score a whole lot. But they got the win over Baylor. They got the win over Kansas. Um, they fell to Oklahoma State. I think this is a good West Virginia team. And Texas Tech, they're going to do a new quarterback this week. They've uh, they've benched Allen Bowman. So we'll see if, if that lights a fire under them and, and that Matt Wells team. I expected them to be better. And really, aside from taking Texas to the wire – 
in in Lubbock, and they should have won that football game in in their Big 12 opener. They just haven't been able to to do much, and that's unfortunate. I, I thought there'd be a bigger uptick in year two under Matt Wells. Maybe it's the shortened off season. I know they had a lot of guys who unfortunately were dealing with with COVID-19 in the off season, but whatever the reason is, they haven't played nearly as well as uh, as I thought they would going into the season. Other games around the Big 12, uh, Baylor and Texas square off at 2:30, and man, this is interesting. You know, Texas is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. They're desperate for a win. They've lost two in a row. Um, they're coming off that four-overtime loss to OU. And this Baylor team in, in year one under Dave Aranda, they've had to stop and start multiple times. They had to postpone the Oklahoma State game because of a COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, the LaTeX game got postponed because of an outbreak on the other side. They had to cancel the, the Houston game. They've had a rough go keeping these guys healthy and, and getting them – to play but they're they're good to go for saturday in austin um and this is a texas team man they, they need to win so badly and so does baylor but i just feel like if, if texas goes to two and three and one and three in league play especially with all the the off-field distractions um and just the, the turmoil that's going on there it's going to be a really hot seat for Tom Herman. But I like UT to win. I think Sam Ellinger is going to play well. This is a Baylor defense that's held up really well so far, but they've played West Virginia and Kansas, so I think we'll we'll get a better sense of who they are. Uh, they replaced a lot of players off that uh, team that went to the Sugar Bowl with, with Matt Rule on that side of the ball. So um, I feel like we're going to see a Texas team that exposes them a little bit and, and sees you know how good this defense actually is. And offensively, Baylor couldn't get anything going against West Virginia. So um, will that improve remains to be seen. But I feel like Texas wins the game. I do think that line is uh, it's a little high, though. I feel like Baylor covers this. I'm, it's going to be a close football game. I, I think it's going to be more than, than that eight-and-a-half-point spread that, uh, that they're giving them in Vegas. So uh, I do like Texas to win that football game, though. And finally, other than the TC-Oklahoma game, you know, the big game in the Big 12 this week, number six Oklahoma State versus number 17 Iowa State. Um, Iowa State has ripped off three wins in a row since that loss to Louisiana, including some really impressive wins against uh, TCU and Oklahoma. They're a solid football team. Brock Purdy's been there for 17 years, it feels like. Um, this is a huge game with, with Big 12 championship implications. I mean, obviously, whoever wins this on Saturday is going to have that inside track. And I like Oklahoma State. They're at home. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I think they'll be able to do enough on defense to slow down Brees Hall and, and Brock Purdy. And offensively, I mean, they just have so many weapons. I know Chuba Hubbard hasn't shown a lot yet this year, but he's still a great back. Tylen Wallace um, has been outstanding so far for the Pokes. And I just feel like this is an Oklahoma State team that is on a mission. They have high expectations. This is the year if they're going to do it. And with Spencer Sanders getting healthier and, and starting to get more reps and um, get more snaps, this is a, this is a really tough Cowboy team. So I, I like Oklahoma State to beat Iowa State. And that's that's your Big 12 schedule other than TC Oklahoma, which is going to kick off at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning, and it's on ABC. Um, we'll get to some keys of the game again. We'll reiterate that. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, but keys of the game and uh, in, in predictions later if you missed it from yesterday's show. But coming up next, John Denton joined uh, one of my uh, radio programs, Unnecessary Roughness. So we'll talk to John about this matchup with, with TCU and Oklahoma, how this TCU offense is looking, how the defense is going to clean up these issues they're having with big plays. That's all coming up on the other side. This is the Locked On Horn Frogs podcast. It's part of the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day.
Okay, so we're getting close to Saturday. It's it's almost here. What are you going to be drinking when you're watching the Oklahoma TCU game? What are you going to be uh, drinking when you have that moment to chill, that time to chill, when you finally get to relax? I think you should grab a cold Coors Light this weekend. Um, Coors Light wants you to know no matter what sport's going on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. It's almost here. We've almost made it to the weekend. It's that time for you to sit back and enjoy a football game. Enjoy a couple football games. Watching football is therapeutic. It's that uninterrupted me time. It's an excuse to chill and drink beer. So make Coors Light your uh, your moment to chill. It's, it's cold. It's mountain cold refreshment. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. Um, Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in its new look and get it delivered straight to your door at GetCoorsLight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So I've been telling you all week about Built Bar and how it's a delicious protein bar. And the same people that bring you the delicious Built Protein Bar also uh, have this solution called Built Go. It's, it's a small gel solution. It's about um, 1.5 ounces, and it just comes in some packages, and it's a great way to break through that wall and get you through the day. Maybe you can put it in your briefcase as you go to work. You can put it in your pocket to get you through the day. You can put it in your golf bag if you're playing around and you need to get through the back nine. It's similar to five-hour energy, but it doesn't give you that same crash feeling because it's natural and it's better for the body. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It works so well because it combines energy gel with protein. It has protein in it and it's fast absorbing, so it gets in your system fast. Visit builtgo.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, go to builtgo.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Go to builtgo.com today. You're listening to Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU Athletics podcast. In this segment, we're going to hear from uh, John Denton. John Denton is the color analyst for the TCU radio broadcast and got a chance to uh, catch up with him on my one of my radio shows, Unnecessary Roughness. Um, the other two guys you hear in this interview are Q and Ward White's asking questions. Here's John Denton previewing uh, the OU game on Unnecessary Roughness, also on Locked on Horn Frogs. John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We really do appreciate that. And uh, TCU, they're, they're one and two on the season, but – it's hard to just judge a team by their record. It's, it's hard to judge a team this year when there's stop and there's go and all your games aren't aren't being played as scheduled and guys are missing sometimes. But just overall so far, before we get into the game this, that's coming up uh, this weekend, just what are your overall thoughts on TCU and what Coach Patterson's been able to do in a limited amount of games? Well, you know, it's a team that, I mean, they've continued to fight. They've got some problem areas. The offensive line is probably the biggest glaring one, that, uh, and they're going to be challenged again this weekend against OU. Defensively, they've been pretty good, but uh, the problem with the defense in, in games against, uh, against Iowa State and also against Texas and against Kansas State was giving up big plays at critical times. I mean, they did a pretty good job against Texas bottling them up, but Texas had more than half of their yards off of five plays, and that's something that bothers Gary Patterson. He, number one, doesn't like people running the ball on him, and he doesn't definitely doesn't like giving up big plays, and that's been a, been a problem for the Frogs so far this year. And they're going to have their hands full tomorrow against an Oklahoma team that I think is getting better and better. They've, they've uh, you know, both these teams are probably – what three or four plays away from both of them being either two and one or, or three and oh or oh and three i mean you know the frogs pulled one out in austin back on october 3rd and you know almost got back into the game against iowa state to start the season but 
this is a team um, for TCU that has to show up tomorrow, and they've got to get off to a good start or else I think Oklahoma will run off and leave them. You mentioned the offensive line struggles. Uh, I mean, what can you what can you really do when you're struggling that much up front, John? Is it just the the group trying to get more continuity as the season goes on? Yeah, they've jumbled the lineup up a bunch, and you know they they lost some pretty good linemen. They lost three guys to the NFL, so you know going into the season, they knew that uh, that you know that that was going to be a critical critical point. And I think if any group was hurt by the COVID pandemic and not being able to go through spring ball, it's probably this offensive line because not only are they trying to find new starters or trying to get used to a new coach, Chris Thompson, who had been the offensive line coach, left to take the assistant head coaching job at uh, Florida State, and that was, that was a big loss staff-wise. And, you know, they're still trying here, you know, four games into the season trying to, trying to figure it out. They, they, their best game of the year so far was at Texas, where they came out committed to the screen game, getting rid of the ball quick, and committed to running the ball. And they actually ran the ball pretty good against what I thought was a pretty decent Texas front. But I think they've got to get back to that tomorrow. They need to slow this game down, try to keep it – out of uh, Spencer Rattler's hands and, and don't give the Sooners uh, as many at-bats, so to speak, as, as they you know, normally get. If you get in a shootout with this team, you better be playing from ahead because uh, Oklahoma has racked up big yards and big points here on the Frogs the last six years. With a young quarterback at Spencer Rattler, you've mentioned him a couple of times, but is there any other coach you would want out there defensively trying to scheme and hide things from him and disguise things and try to rattle him as much as possible as Gary Patterson? No, you know, this is going to be an interesting matchup, uh, not just the teams, but, you know, with Lincoln Riley and, and, you know, being the mad scientist as far as offense. And then, as you mentioned, Gary Patterson and the defenses. I mean, you know, Gary – has a unique ability to really be able to look at film and video and really pinpoint what makes things happen. And, you know, the, the, the intriguing thing for me going into this game is, you know, how will Gary Patterson, he's going to come up with some way to rattle or try to get to Spencer Rattler, but the, the issue here, you know, the Frogs haven't taken a whole lot of chances so far this year, and in, in spots they've had people out of position, and that's what's led to these big plays. If you're going to blitz somebody, then you're leaving a space open somewhere, and that's that's going to be uh, really, I think, what this game comes down to is can they get the Rattler, and can Rattler read the different zone packages or zone blitz packages that Gary Patterson will throw at him, and uh, you know who's going to win that chess match and who's going to be able to execute under pressure. That's going to be the big, big deal. And if you if you do opt to come off the edge or to come with a linebacker blitz, and that puts a whole lot more pressure on those five defensive backs for TCU. Talking right now with John Denton, TCU color analyst here on ESPN Central Texas, talking about TCU and Oklahoma as they get ready to square up. And, and John, as far as uh, Max Duggan goes, what has been your early impressions on him? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, the old, you know, tired saying as well, the game is slowing down for him. But, I mean, he, he's really – more comfortable this year. I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest issue for him is he's, he's had to learn to, to be pretty good throwing on the run because he's been under a lot of pressure. He got sacked six times against Iowa State, and uh, he's going up against an Oklahoma crew that sacked uh, Sam Ehlinger six times, and I think they had 11 or 12 plays behind the line against Texas. So this is a bunch that's going to get after him. Uh, you know, his arm's stronger. He's reading things better. 
He still likes to take off and run, and sometimes he tries to run over people, which he took a shot against Kansas State two weeks ago, and I thought his season was over. I mean, he was slow getting up, and they actually took him to the locker room for x-rays, but he's fine. But he's got to learn to get down and protect himself. That's probably the, the one thing that, that still bothers me the most. But he's a huge competitor. He's obviously the best quarterback at TCU, best one on campus. And this, this offense really reacts to him. It's just a matter of if he's going to have time uh, Saturday to, to find all these receivers. He's got a fleet of receivers. He's got five running backs. There's a lot of skilled people, some huge tight ends. And, uh, you know, they've got to give him time to work and see those folks. And, again, I think, you know, the quick game and the screen game may be, you know, the answer comes Saturday. You mentioned uh, some of the skill guys. And one player I thought would be more involved in the offense so far this year is Pro Wells. And I heard on, on Saturday, John, you and Landry Burdine talking about he was a little frustrated not getting the ball in the middle of the field. Um, is that just a factor of, again, the not having much of a pocket and giving Max time to, to get the ball to, to different guys? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, Pro Wells has been slipped out into the into the slot now. He was playing tight end. He's six four two fifty, and you know when he gets the ball in the middle of the field, I mean he's a handful in the secondary. And Artevius Lynn is the other uh, tight end, big guy. It's around you know two hundred and fifty pounds that can really ramble. And you know I think a lot of it is he's just not seeing those guys, and uh, he's got to he's got to learn to look upfield and, and, and find those guys. And, if you know, if you've got a guy that's 6'4", 250, uh, you know, you've got to be able to find him and, you know, throw to him. You know, if he's your primary receiver, find that guy because he's a monster. So, uh, you know, I, I, I really like what some of these teams are doing these days with, uh, with the tight ends and, you know, bringing them in and making them a part of the offense like Kansas State does. And when you've, when you've got a big target like that, you've got to make use of them. One of the other receivers from our area for the Horn Frogs, Quentin Johnson, former Temple Wildcat, how is he coming along? And it looks like he's, he's becoming a, a good target for Duggan. Yeah, well, he's, he has here early on. He's made some big plays. He's got the best uh, yard per catch average on the team. He's averaging 24 yards a catch. He's got five catches. He had a big 50-yard reception against Texas, the longest play of the year. For TCU, I mean, he's he's starting to really show himself, and you know he's a big target as well. He comes back to Max Duggan when Max is under pressure, and he does a really good job of, of breaking tackles. He broke three tackles on that long 50-yarder against Texas, and I thought, you know, okay, you know, it's fun when you see these freshmen that are hot shots in high school, but when you know they're freshmen and they start busting out and they start making plays, and you say, okay, you know, check that one off. This this guy can play, and and he's gonna be he's gonna make a huge impact here. That's really good to hear. Love mm -hmm. to hear that about Quentin Johnson. Was a really good player at Temple, and and like you said, sometimes they don't turn out to be that guy at, on the next level. But it sounds like he's off to a a really good start. You know, uh, this is a game that you know it's kind of looking at it on paper, and you say, uh, why not TCU? Why why not? Why can't they just uh, stick around? Like I said earlier, uh, to start this whole thing off is Oklahoma. Kind of looks like they're down a little bit. They have a couple issues. You guys mentioned the you know turnovers from Rattler and what Gary Patterson could do defensively. Uh, when it comes to just your gut feeling on this game, how do you think this? This one shakes out well you know i think a lot of it comes down to you know you're not going to stop oklahoma you've, you've but you've got to slow them down i mean last year tcu did a pretty good job of slowing oklahoma down they, they were really good 
between the 10-yard lines, and OU had a couple of red zone turnovers that got the Frogs back into the game. But Frogs got down early in that game last year. They can't afford to get down early this year, and they've got to stop OU from running the football on them. They ran, OU ran for 366 yards against the Frogs last year and just kind of ground them down. And that's that's been a lot of the story in these games the last six years. Frogs haven't beaten OU since 2014. And, you know, you've got to be physical and you've got to slow them down and minimize, you know, the TCU offense. They may not, may not get points out of drives, but they've got to eat up some clock and shorten the game and, and, and keep Rattler from having, you know, as many chances. Because, you know, the more chances he gets with the ball through the game, the better he's going to get because he's a freshman who's improving as well. And, you know, by, by the third or fourth time he gets a look live, at the defense, you better be switching things up because if he gets a little bit of a clue, then they're going to get some big plays. That's John Denton from the TCU Radio Network on Unnecessary Roughness and the Lockdown Horn Frogs podcast previewing the OU game. We'll come back. We'll talk some keys to the game and close up shop. This is Lockdown Horn Frogs, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're back on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your daily TCU athletics podcast. Last segment, you heard from John Denton, and you can listen to John on the TCU Radio Network. You know, the best way I like to do it, I know you can find it on KTCU The Choice 88.7 if you're in the Fort Worth area, but uh, I like to get it on my phone. So if I'm in the car or I have to run an errand or something, I just go to TuneIn. I use the TuneIn app, and I pull up the – I type in TCU Sports Network, and it shows up, and then I can stream the game wherever I'm at. So the TuneIn app is a, is a great place to go and uh, listen to those games if you're not in front of a TV on Saturday or if you have to end up running to the grocery store or something, you can still listen to the game while you're out and about. And thanks to John for, for joining uh, the radio show yesterday and glad that we could bring it to you on the podcast. Um, you can follow the show at LockedOnTCU. You can also follow me on Twitter at SimcoxSteven. I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you use Apple Podcasts, uh, give me a great review. Give me a five-star review. Do that so I don't have to be one of those like weird people that uh, – like one, those people that sell Plexus that message you and like, hey, I went to high school with that guy. And he's like, hey, man, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm great. And then he gives you his pitch to sell you something. I don't want to have to do that, but I'll do that. I'll start messaging some of my old, you know, college buddies and say, hey, I need you to listen to this podcast and, you know, rate and review it so I can also send my children to uh, to TCU like I, like I went to. And like so many of you who, who listen to the podcast, I'm sure did. But anyway, um, yeah. You find me on Apple, Spotify, and I appreciate you listening today. So before we go, I talked a little bit yesterday about the keys of the game. I think the big one on offense for TCU is going to be keeping Max Duggan upright. Can they protect him? Can this offensive line improve and play any better than they did uh, a couple weeks ago in Kansas State? And I'm really curious to see like what Gary cooks up on defense after the bye week. Have, has he cleaned up some of the issues with, with tackling, with giving up big plays? Is that going to be something that we see? Obviously, Oklahoma had a bye week as well, so is Spencer Rattler more comfortable? You know, another, another key to the game, I think, on defense is, do we have any sort of pass rush for this team? Can O'Shawn Mathis get home? Um, can somebody get there on a blitz? Is this the week where we finally start to see a little bit more of, uh, of Marcel Brooks and, and him get more comfortable? in this defense they're gonna have to find a way to get pressure and they're also have to find a way to stop the run this OU team really misses Kennedy Brooks but TJ Pledger has done a pretty nice job of filling in and they got a couple other backs that they can go to Um, can the D-line and the front seven get a push and, and stop the run and if you do that then 
Um, I think the passing game becomes easier to handle. And TCU did a really nice job defensively, especially in the second half last year against that Oklahoma passing attack. A part of that was Jeff Gladney got back in the game, and he's obviously not going to be there tomorrow. Um, but they were able to, you know, slow them down. And it was it was the first time in a while where it felt like the defense had sort of gotten the upper hand on, on Lincoln Riley and what he was trying to do offensively. So can the defense get pressure? Can they stop the running game? And then finally, I mean, can the, can this team cut out the silly mistakes? And for a, for a Gary Patterson coach team, they just seem very undisciplined right now. And I understand when the O-line is struggling and when they're just not very good, you're going to get some holding calls. I mean, it's just the reality of it. You're going to get um, some block in the back or that type of thing because guys are trying to, you know, they miss an assignment, they mess up, and they're, they're trying to recover. They're trying to not get Max Duggan killed in the backfield. But can you limit that? Can you cut that down and stop, you know, when you have a 16-yard gain and get a first down? Is it not going to get called back because of a holding penalty or an illegal man downfield or just something silly? And can we get Pro Wells involved? I mean, Artavius Lynn has been involved some at that tight end position, but Pro Wells is a dangerous guy, and he was really good for them at times last year. You know, can he get the football over the middle of the field a little bit more? Because we just haven't seen him. Is this the week where J.D. Spielman finally breaks out? These are all the, the questions I have. But I think for, for TCU, it comes down to if this offense is going to function better, it has to start up front, and they have to do a better job of getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. And I, I'm not sure what way that's going to be, but uh, against Kansas State, they just had no ability to have explosive plays. Um, and then when Max went out of the game, you know, when, when Downing was in there, it was just a totally different offense. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Prediction-wise, I said this yesterday, I think TCU gets it done. I feel like this defense holds up well, and um, and they end up winning this thing 28-24. If you want to send me your prediction, you can do it at SimcoxSteven or at LockedOnTCU. You can also email me, LockedOnHornFrogs at gmail.com. On Monday, we're going to react to whatever happened on uh on saturday we'll we'll just react to it i'm hoping to have matt jennings on the show and he'll hop on with me and he'll talk about what he saw uh what we liked what we didn't like and we'll see if this team is is one and three or two and two they they need a victory um the schedule gets a little bit easier after this but you you don't want to be in a one and three hole because that gives you really no grace to uh to make this thing up and and get to where you want to be. And I'll try to be pretty active on Twitter on Saturday. I'll have a, a question for you guys on Sunday, depending on how that game goes and where we're at expectations-wise. But, again, that's at LockedOnTCU. And at SimcoxSteven is my personal account if you want to follow me there. I'll talk to you Monday. Thank you for listening this week. I appreciate you giving me a chance. I hope this continues to build and get better as we move forward. Uh, go Frogs. And this has been a Friday edition of Locked On Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.